was Michigan fans. Look, it was unbelievable. And and, and for Michigan fans, th- this is a, this is a, a place that we haven't been in quite a while. Quite a while. Feeling like this team is heading in, in a in a direction uh, towards what we have been wanting, what you have been hoping for. You, know, you got Juwan Howard on the field after whole stadium emptied onto the field. And Jawan Howard's out there finding Jim Harbaugh, saying, what now? Nobody said you could beat Ohio State. Now what? And for Michigan, look, I'm not somebody who likes to rush the field. Like, right, you're Michigan. You're the fifth-ranked team in the country. And and unfortunately, uh, it has not been routine to beat Ohio State. It has not been. Uh, and every other year where you beat the first team. It's been almost 10 years. But, with that being said, I, you know, this is why you got to have good friends around. I have friends of mine that say, look, what are you talking about? This was an exciting moment. And, and, and finally, finally, you, this, is, this is Goliath. You're knocking off. This is a, a, a team chock full of Four and five star players. Not like Michigan isn't, but Ohio State is a different machine. They're like Alabama. They're like Clemson. They're like Georgia. They're like Oklahoma. That's this is the machine that they are. So beating somebody like this, rushing the field, uh, I've come around. But but you look at what this game meant going in. Last year there was no game. There was no the game. This game wasn't played last year due to COVID. Michigan won two games, played in seven. They were derailed with COVID towards the end of the season. Go back to 2019, 56-21 drubbing in Ann Arbor. Just a drubbing. Go back to 2018, 62-39. Ugly, ugly scores. Ugly, ugly scores. Similar to what Ohio State did to Michigan State last week. This game, 42-27, a little closer on the scoreboard. It wasn't, it wasn't that close. That, that game yesterday was every bit of blowout of 2018 and 2019. Every bit. And look, you, going into this game, you knew that, that Jackson Smith and Jigbo was going to get his yards. Garrett Wilson was going to get his. Chris Olave was going to get his. Travion Henderson was going to pick up yards. C.J. Stroud was going to have a big day through the air. Once you understood that, once you accepted that, you could find a path to win. told you last week that I felt like this team had a real shot. I felt like if anybody in this conference could beat Ohio State, it was Michigan. And, and it all started after I told you. It started on the trenches. And I put... I put the the number one area of of concern for Michigan was going to be Michigan's D-line versus Ohio State's O-line. And boy, did Michigan's D-line win. Aiden Hutchinson with three sacks, four tackles for losses. David Ajabo with a sack. Those are incredible plays by your playmakers. You needed to keep C.J. Stroud in the pocket. 
mission accomplished. You needed to to to, to find a way to 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 have him speed up some of his throw, speed up some of his progressions. Mission accomplished. And you look at the catches that those three receivers had in particular. Those three receivers are two in particular are borderline first round picks. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson are first-round picks. Chris Olave is probably a first-round pick. I mean, they're that good. Garrett Wilson with an incredible catch for Ohio State's first touchdown uh, to, to, to get him on the board was incredible. Blanket coverage and still able to pull it down. JSN's catch behind the back and and, I mean, Incredible. But these are a couple of catches that you throw that ball 10 times, it doesn't get caught nine. I mean, it really doesn't even get caught 10. Those are fluky catches. And so you look at some of these yards, some of it wasn't this close. It wasn't. Michigan absolutely shut the Buckeyes down. They out physical them. And look, and this is all not even to say, not even to mention. The kind of day that Hassan Haskins had. When Blake Corm went down with the injury, uh, uh, Hassan Haskins had to shoulder a lot more carries. He had to he had to be the guy. He had to be the workhorse. Twenty eight carries, hundred and sixty nine yards, five touchdowns. That's a record for this game. Hassan Haskins was incredible. And and just to be outdone, perhaps, by that offensive line. I, look, and Michigan has had a, 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 a lot of really good offensive linemen roll through this program throughout the years. I, I don't remember a type of performance like that offensive line gave yesterday in, in a very long time. A very long time. That was... That was one of the most imposing performances I've ever seen on a college football field. They absolutely dominated. It wasn't even the fact that, like, uh, you know, Ohio State knew the plays that were being run. They knew that Hassan Haskins was going to carry the football here. Or they knew that Blake Corn was going to get the football here. And still, five, six yards a pop. 15-yard run outside. It was it was about as imposing as you could get on a football field. So after years of not beating Ohio State, after this 20-year stretch, which has been abysmal, you finally get it done. You finally beat a guy who has never lost a Big Ten game in Ryan Day. Never as head coach of Ohio State. You beat a guy who is in the lead for the Heisman Trophy in C.J. Stroud. You beat three receivers who are borderline first-round NFL picks. You beat Travion Henderson, who many say is the best running back in college football. And you beat him by 15 points. It wasn't even close. It was one of the most dominating performances I've seen from a Michigan team in a very very, very, very long time. Uh, all right, I'll tell you what. We got to take a break. Jason's getting mad at me. I can feel the heat coming off of him back at the studio. 
So we'll take a break. Coming up on the other side, we got an interesting game out west tonight. We're going to talk Michigan State coming up at 635. But before we do, interesting game out west L.A. tonight, Lakers-Pistons. LeBron James, Isaiah Stewart, they're both playing tonight. Fireworks? Probably. Don't go anywhere. All right, the suspensions have been served. And tonight, in Isaiah Stewart's first game back, LeBron James will be back for his second game after his one-game suspension. The Pistons are in L.A. to take on the Lakers. And, look, do I expect bad blood? I don't know. But I'm hoping the Pistons use this and, and, and at least use this as a as a springboard, as to create an identity. And uh, certainly uh, somebody who has had a front row seat to this team for a very long time, in addition to a team that wears green and white in East Lansing, we'll talk about that in a minute. But George Blaha, uh, voice of the Pistons, voice of Michigan State, joins us this evening here on Sports Wrap. Hey, George, how you doing? Excellent. Good to be on with you. How's everything? Everything is well, my friend. Hey, uh, I, I, I know that that this past Sunday when all the hoopla broke out at LCA, it was like, well, we kind of knew that going forward, depending on how these suspensions would play out, Pistons would be in LA to take on the Lakers just seven days from last Sunday. And here we are tip at nine 30 tonight. Um, wh- what are you expecting out of this, this matchup? Is there going to be some bad blood? Or are they, are they just kind of going to go about as business as usual? What are you expecting? Well, both these guys uh, will not be able to look at this game uh, just like any other game. Let's put it that way uh, from the get-go. Uh, Isaiah Stewart has already said he doesn't believe that uh, LeBron's contact with him last Sunday that required all those stitches was an accident. LeBron saying that it was uh he didn't feel like the suspension was warranted. Uh, Isaiah wouldn't talk, really talk about the suspension. He just said, hey, uh, I do not believe it was an accident. So when they uh, when they get ready to play basketball tonight, uh, there'll be just a little something else on their mind. And who knows? Uh, it might make for a very, very interesting night. <laughs> I would imagine so. Uh, when you look at, at how these types of incidents, how these types of events can impact your season going forward, I mean, you've seen it in a lot of different ways, George, but but how can this team kind of parlay this into an identity going forward? I'm not saying they're going to be, uh, you know, the bad boys, but but they can certainly spin this into something that can be used uh, to their advantage going forward, can't they? Well, I, I, I think that at this point in time, they need something to to uh, to get them back on the winning track, and th- this is going to be an emotional game, especially uh, for Isaiah Stewart. But hey, his teammates think a lot of him. We know the fans of the Pistons do as well, and so th- there'll be a little bit more riding on this game tonight than on your average regular season game. It might be uh, the rematch of the main event between these two heavyweights. I agree, and obviously something that we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, tip o'clock, Again, tip is at 9.30 tonight. Uh, in the meantime, of course, you had a front-row seat uh, at a very, very snowy East Lansing Spartan Stadium yesterday. 
Uh, Spartans pick up their 10th win on the year. They finished 10 and two in Mel Tucker's second year uh, with the win over Penn state. And, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, obviously I think you'd want that, that the, the Purdue game back. And certainly uh, you ran into the buzzsaw out at uh, uh, Columbus a couple of uh, weeks ago, last week, but at the same time, the 10 wins in a year when the over under, I think was four and a half in Vegas, uh, Mel Tucker beating Michigan again this year for for his second straight year. He's two and zero against the Wolverines. This was a really, really uh, exciting and and really a springboard year for the Spartans. And and I'd love to get your take on on what you think of the green and white. Well, they they had a heck of a year. Uh, there's no question about that. I could tell as soon as I started working with Coach Tucker that there's something special about him. I had the pleasure of working with Nick Saban during his time at Michigan State, and I couldn't help but feel uh, the, uh, the the Nick Saban pull uh, right here with Mel. He, he has a lot of Nick Saban in him, and that's that's a strong statement. He's uh, he understands what needs to be done to win football games, and he's willing to work hard enough uh, at his job to, to to get his team in a position to win games, and and has his team understanding what they have to do to win games. And you're right. Uh, they absolutely blew the doors off uh, what Vegas expected of Michigan State this year. And it wasn't all just getting Kenneth Walker to come to East Lansing. There was a lot of Mel Tucker involved in this as well. And, you know, the other part, obviously, the the way that and, – and this is why I believe Mel Tucker was such an attractive candidate to, to big-time programs like LSU is because – he came into a situation. Look, like let's not, uh, uh, you know, paint things in a in a in a rosy picture here. Things were a little rough in East Lansing with this program. We, there was no real defined path uh, at the end of Mark D'Antonio's tenure. And so when Mel Tucker came in, obviously dealt with the COVID year. He came in really late in the cycle, and and that last year, 2020, was just strange. It was strange for everybody. But the way that he rebuilt this roster, really, from the inside out, utilizing the transfer portal, 40-plus kids new into the program this year, and and the output, the, the, the type of success that they had with the transfers that Mel Tucker brought in, I think that's what makes him so incredibly valuable and so incredibly dangerous from another program's perspective because he can build a team outside of just recruiting. Exactly. And the transfer portal isn't going anywhere. It's here to stay. I know uh, it, it, some coaches probably think it's a nuisance. Fans probably don't even know if they like it or they don't like it. Right. But the bottom line is you got to deal with it. And what that means is you have to scout every player on every team in the country because mm. Uh, at some point in time, one of those players might let it be known that he wants to transfer. Well, you got to know, do we think this guy can play? Uh, and, in fact, uh, is he the kind of guy who can play for us? If so, we got to get on the stick and, and get after him. And that's not easy. you you got to have uh, people who spend almost uh, their entire week and, and most of their year looking at all the players on every team in the country. And, and yeah. Mel's guys did a great job of that. Uh, wh- wh- how do you think this uh, thing shakes out here for Michigan State the rest of the year? Obviously, we got to wait and see how these uh, championship games play out next weekend. But with ten wins and and kind of the 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 way that this thing is going to fall, 
it really looks like to me that that Michigan State in a year when the, I think a bowl game six and six was the was the goal, they're going to play in a New Year's Six bowl, and and again, that's a lot more credit to Mel Tucker and his staff. Yeah, there's a very good chance it's going to be a New Year's Six bowl. You're right, and and a bowl game, as you said, a, a 500 season and a bowl game and and play reasonably well in it would have been considered a success. Well. Uh, he's way beyond a success this year. Uh, it's been a tremendous year. And, and I think this, uh, the Spartans battled through some adversity late in the season. They've been fortunate on the injury front early on, and, and then uh, injuries and the flu most recently uh, put some guys either uh, on the shelf or put them on the field playing not at 100%. And by the time they play in this bowl game, this is going to be more like the Michigan State team that was a shock of the world earlier in the season. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you uh, kind of rate this team based on other teams you've seen? Obviously you've been a part of some incredible, incredible uh, Spartan football teams. And, and this one, I, again, I think that you look at, at the talent that they had specifically in the receiver room, obviously Kenneth Walker K nine, as you put it on the broadcast, which I absolutely love. Uh, uh, and then Peyton Thorne, I thought, really developed nicely throughout the year. Um, h- how do you think this team is gonna is gonna be remembered in the annals of Spartan history? Oh, these guys were great competitors. That's number one. And and Peyton Thorne's a terrific example. I mean, he's uh, he's a kid who is so mentally and physically tough. And, and Mel Tucker's always said that he'd like to have his quarterback be his greatest competitor. And I'll tell you what, nobody competes any harder uh, or any more efficiently than Peyton Thorne. He took a ton of hits yesterday. He's out mm-hmm. there throwing the ball uh, through a blizzard. And Frank, more often than not, he threw the ball like it was a clear day. Yeah. Uh, he didn't let the weather bother him even a little bit. And he didn't let uh, a very, very physical Penn State defense uh, change the way he looked at things. I, I love the way he plays. And and Kenneth Walker is a breath of fresh air. A great young man, terrific talent. Uh, I'd be shocked if he's not invited to New York for the Heisman Trophy celebration. And that's a heck of a turnaround. Now, somebody had to realize how good he was, and somebody had to convince him to come to Michigan State, and that guy is Mel Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible job. Well, look, uh, George, I look forward to uh, to one final broadcast this year. Uh, as you get ready for the bowl game. And it's always a, a, a pleasure and a, a, just a ton of fun listening to you and Jason. So another season well done, and uh, look forward to the bowl game. Fun being on with you, and, and great to have our games on uh, on WJR. We love it. No place we'd rather be. Thank you, George. Appreciate you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. There he is, the great George Blaha here on Sports Wrap. All right, we'll take another break. Come back. Uh, I, I want to talk about a couple of things. Obviously, we'll we'll get to the Lions. Uh, we'll get to a little more Michigan stuff and and what's on the horizon next weekend in Indy Big Ten Championship. We'll talk about that uh, a whole lot more. We're gonna have uh, uh, our good friend Sean Belegian, of course, Gridiron Rap coming up next here on uh, WJR seven o'clock. So you're not gonna want to miss that. I've, lot to do. Lot to do. Don't go anywhere. Chris Renwick on Sports Rep continuing. Next on JR. Uh, all right. Uh, Michigan beat the Ohio State 42 to 27. It was a drubbing. 
Uh, this will be the first time Michigan's going to Indy. It'll be the first time uh, for them not only winning the Big Ten East, but then playing for a Big Ten championship game. Uh, and it'll be the first time that they'll play for it since 2004. Last time they won a conference was 2004, and obviously they haven't won a natty since 97. So all of those things are in front of them. And, and, and when you look at where this thing is for Michigan and, and where who they're playing, playing Iowa, playing the Hawkeyes, the Hawkeyes were a, a top-five team earlier on in the year. Uh, but, but you're going to be dealing with a team that is really, in terms of, I don't know, they're, the, the offense and defensive output is wildly different. They're, they're very drastic from each other. Defensively, they're the number 13 team in the country. It's pretty good. They're, they've got a good defense. Michigan checks in at number 14. Pretty even defensively, uh, a defensive battle. Iowa, offensively, they're 123rd in the nation. Out of 130 teams, they're bad on offense. They're really bad. And, and it only makes things worse for the Hawkeyes uh, that they've got a backup quarterback as a starter now. So, unfortunately for the Hawkeyes, you know, they get to Indy, but this is certainly a situation that uh, that, that is just, you know, it's it's going to be difficult, I think, for the Hawkeyes. So, what does that mean for Michigan moving forward? How, how is this going to shake out? So, I, I think that on Tuesday, when these new college football playoff rankings come out, I think that you see Michigan vault to number two. And, and, and look, Jason, if you want to call me crazy, I'm here for you. Georgia will stay at number one after running wild and rough shot over Georgia Tech this weekend. I think Michigan vaults to number two. I think Bama stays at number three. And I only say that Michigan vaults Bama because Bama really struggled to get past Auburn. It looked like Auburn had Alabama on the ropes, and it looked like all hope was lost for the Crimson Tide. But somehow, somehow, they managed to tie things up late push it to four overtimes, and then beat the Tigers. So I think Bama stays at number three. I think Cincy holds Pat at number four, and then I think you've got Okie State with that big win over Oklahoma and then Notre Dame rounding out the top six. That's kind of how I think this thing shakes out. Is that fair, Jason? Yeah, that's fair. I I, I haven't been uh, completely uh, uh, impressed with Alabama this year, but it's Alabama, so they're going to be there. But I do think Michigan should jump them uh, especially after their performance, because it because it, college football in this this ranking system's always been about the the style points. So Michigan Absolutely. gets those style points after this week for sure. Well, they get the style points, and and look, they have talked about look. I mean, you saw when Michigan was ranked ahead of Michigan State, even though the Spartans beat Michigan, the head to head matchup didn't matter so much to the, this committee this year. What mattered was stats. What mattered is the eye test, and certainly the committee said, look, Michigan deserves to be where they're at. Now, going forward, I think that when you look at that, the way this committee is going to shake this out, I believe this is where it is. I think you're going to see Georgia, Michigan, Bama, and Cincy. Now, the, the, the caveat in all of this is that you still got Georgia and Bama to play in the, in the, the SEC championship game next weekend. Right. So, 
So depending on how this thing shakes out, uh, Bama may not even be in the picture. I think Georgia with a loss in the SEC championship game still is in. Yes. Um, and, and then depending on where they want to throw Bama, maybe Bama goes to number one. Then you see Georgia, Michigan, Cincy. But I think if everything held pat today, uh, if you were Michigan, I would take this matchup. Oh. And, and just like I thought Michigan matched up well against Ohio State, I think the Michigan Bama matchup would be would would be good for Michigan as well. But, but Alabama is not look something is off about Alabama this year. Just yep. like something was off about Ohio State. Offensively, Ohio State could could hum. Defensively, as you saw, they were a complete liability. They were a liability not only yesterday, but they were a liability in their loss against uh, Oregon. They were certainly a liability in that win over Penn State. And so I I see a lot of the similarities in Alabama and Ohio State. Alabama is not untouchable this year. Georgia maybe, but Alabama is not. No, not at all. And how fun uh, is this? Uh, because I, I, I've been in, I've, I've been on this earth 42 years. I've seen a lot of Michigan, Ohio God bless State. You, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I know. No kidding. And and I would in in thinking back because nobody, including any of my Michigan friends, and probably yourself, thought you know that Michigan was going to win this game. So I a funny story is I I I, I was talking to a buddy of mine last night, and I said, man, what time is the Big Ten championship game usually? Is it in the afternoon? Is it at night? And he said, oh, yeah, no, it's normally on at night. And and then I thought to myself, well, we haven't we haven't been involved in this. Michigan was never involved in the BCS National Championship. Uh, they never participated in that. And they've obviously never participated in the, in the new playoff system. So this is just going to be fun. I think, I think they beat Iowa. You know, next week it's going to be a, a low-scoring tight one. Kirk Ferentz, and, and I just uh, learned this about Kirk Ferentz, Royal Oak native. Uh, so he knows uh, more than Kirk anybody. Kirk Ferentz is from Royal Oak. He's from Royal Oak. Uh, born and raised. Just I just had to Wikipedia because I remember some talking to about it with somebody a few weeks ago. So he knows more. He knows more than anybody how important this is for Michigan to win this game. Jason, you taught me something that I had no idea. I did <laughs> not know Kirk Ferentz was born in Royal Oak. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Look at you. Uh, more uh, uh, more information or useless information you know. coming if you need yeah. it. <laughs> you got it. Um, no, I look, I'm a great guy. I agree with you. I think Michigan's going to win the Big Ten. I think they're going to play for an opportunity to play in the national championship game. I do. And and look, I here's the crazy part. It is as perhaps um, it, immortal, I guess, as as Alabama is, as or as mortal as they are. They, they are certainly uh, susceptible to a loss. I could see Alabama beating Georgia. Like I could, I could, I could, I can, I can pick you a path. I could also, like I, like I, I had been preaching for the last couple of weeks. I said Michigan was going to beat Ohio State. I did. I told, I was talking to my wife, and I said, "Look, um, we were going to, uh, we were going to a, a, an event last night." And I said, "Look, before we leave, um, and Michigan wins." I'm going to, I'm going to start book. I'm going to start, uh, you know, we're going to have a hotel room. I got it. We're going to, we're going to have a a couple of restaurant reservations. Like this is uh, because I was pretty confident. I I liked the way that this team matched up. I like the way Michigan matches up against somebody like Alabama. I like the way Michigan matches up against somebody like Cincinnati. 
if if that's how things shake out. I feel less comfortable about Georgia. But we will see. And you know All what? One real, is, one real quick ahead. thing. Um, yeah. Going back to um, the Maryland game. The Maryland yeah. game was an eye-opener. You knew they were going to beat Maryland. Michigan never drops 60 points on anybody. They never drop 60 usually when, you know, um, lesser schools come in in September. So that one was kind of an eye-opener. I still didn't think they were going to beat Ohio State, but I said, wow, this team is – they got something going on right now, you know, and they you – know, Obviously, they did, and they brought you know that momentum into the Ohio State game. Well, Jason, and look, I know we got to take a break, but let me let me because I think that's an interesting point. What, what what point did you think this team was for real? And I'll tell you when I thought it was for real. Go back to Nebraska. Late in that game, Michigan needed a drive, a, a long sustaining drive, and they needed to score. And it and it felt like at that point in the game, it felt like, um. Like, okay, it, it, let's see how real this team is. They drove down the field, and they scored a touchdown. Okay, good. Then you needed to make a stop. You needed to stop Aaron Martinez. You needed to stop this Huskers offense. And it, and I just hearken back to Kinnick Stadium, 2016, Michigan-Iowa, and, and, and all Michigan had to do was hold the Hawkeyes, hold them. But instead, the Hawkeyes drove the field, game-winning field goal as time expired, Michigan loses. I had shades of that game going on in my mind as I'm watching this Nebraska game. And I'm thinking like, hmm, interesting. Well, Michigan forces a turnover. Brad Hawkins punches the ball out of uh, Adrian Martinez's hands, and Michigan wins the game. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a different that's a different trend from the, these Michigan teams, not only under Jim Harbaugh, but in a, in a hostile environment. At night, I mean, that place was rocking in Norman. And so I just, or, 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 and it just felt like, Lincoln, excuse me, just felt like this was a different team. Then fast forward to the Penn State game where Michigan, it was, it was another, again, late game situation. You need it. You need a touchdown. Now you need it to win the football game. Eric all 43 yards touchdown. Like it, it was in those key moments late in the game hostile environment where I said, oh, okay, th- this is this team is different now. They've been saying they're different. They've been telling us that they're different. But when, when the chips were down on the table, they, in fact, were different. And then yesterday, uh, on the other side of the break, I'll tell you, outside of Hassan Haskins, outside of that O-line, I'll tell you who the most impressive performers were yesterday. Because there were really two most impressive performers. And we'll talk about that on the other side. Joined by our friend Sean Belegian. He's got gridiron rap coming your way at 7.05 here on WJR. You're not going to want to miss it. Lots to do tonight still. Don't go anywhere. Chris Renwick on Sports Rap. We roll on next here on WJR. All right. I'll tell you who the real MVPs of that Michigan-Ohio State game were yesterday. Let, let, me, let me talk about rivalry week as a whole. Was that not one of the great rivalry weeks of all time? I mean, that Alabama-Auburn game, crazy. Bedlam certainly lived up to the hype of Okie State and Oklahoma. And then you got Michigan and Ohio State yesterday. It was, it was, uh, Sean, in terms of, in terms of, it, it, you know, because, look, 
sometimes with with these rivalry games, they can be very lopsided. Uh, look at Ohio State and Michigan. Look at Okie State, Oklahoma. Um, but yesterday, everybody delivered. Everybody, and even that Michigan State-Penn State game, everybody delivered. Yeah, you know what? Hey, seriously, all jokes aside, Chris, I, I know you and I were having some fun with it off the air. Outstanding by Michigan. I, I, I mean, they left no debate who the best team was in, in the conference. And Spartan fans, I can hear it right now, but uh, the loss to Purdue definitely hurt. I mean, they had one loss, period, end of story. Now they have an opportunity to go finish it in Indianapolis and, and punch your ticket in, into the playoff. Uh, Chris, you're right. I was up in East Lansing yesterday with my son. It was so much fun. It just, yeah. I, like, I, I have a, a, a theory, Chris, that we turn into little kids when it's coming down like that. And, and like my son and I, especially early in the game, we were like two gleeful kids. You know, when the Spartans jumped out 14, nothing, jumping up and down and having fun. But uh, Hey, you know, wasn't it nice? And I tweeted something like this yesterday. Wasn't it nice to have both teams over exceed expectations this year? Because that's what they did. You didn't have in a normal year, you have both sides kind of chirping. Well, we're going to get back on top and we're going to get back on top. The expectations weren't high this year. It was a heck of a lot of fun. It really was. Well, look, it'll be exciting to see and interesting to see who the coach of the year nods go to. Because, look, obviously you can make the case for Jim Harbaugh. Obviously. But my goodness, taking that Michigan State team and where the expectations were. I mean, look, at at the height of those expectations, it was let's go 6-6 and and get to a bowl game. Right? That was the bar at the beginning of the season and to see where they, where they went with this team. It's really hard to overlook Mel Tucker in that situation, but I want to talk about this Michigan Ohio state game with yesterday. Obviously Hassan Haskins was incredible. He was the workhorse that a, that this team needed him to be ever since Blake uh, Coram went down with injury. You look at that offensive line and, and I said it, earlier on in the show. I don't remember a Michigan offensive line playing like that in a very, very long time. But I think that the development of of two coaches in particular, Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald, and the way that they were able to navigate that game, like, like there were times when um, – Michigan pulled out a lot of different trick plays. They were using, utilizing the outside. It's because Josh Gaddis smelled blood in the water. He knew that it was a time to attack, 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 go for points. That's a veteran play caller move. And then Mike McDonald's situation, he knew when to bring pressure. He knew when to back off. He knew when to lean on Aiden Hutcherson or, or David Ajabo. Those are veteran moves as play callers. And I think those two guys took two gigantic steps forwards yes, uh, yesterday. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. I I think in particular, Josh Gaddis had almost become not his fault, but the butt of of a joke for so many times, because it seems like in the past decade, we've heard about, you know, who is the next savior that's going to come in and, and, you know, save this Michigan offense. I mean, remember Nuss when Nuss came to town, Nuss, coach Nuss, coach Nuss. But speed and space became a, a reality. And, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, look, you have, Two guys are going to go in the top 10 of the draft this year. Mm -hmm. Count on it. And another guy, his term is coming not that far down the road, depending on how he wants to stay. And and it really was, okay, you're going to get yours, but we're not going to let you get it downfield. 
Right. And that was so important, I think, to make them settle for some field goals or field goal attempts as opposed to giving up those sevens, you know, once they were inside the red zone. Yeah, and look, you look at a couple of those, like the Jackson Smith and Jagbo catch behind the back draped over the, the corner. The Garrett Wilson touchdown uh, catch was an incredible. Like, there are a couple of catches that those those really talented receivers of Ohio State made where, like, if you throw that ball to them ten times, they're not making the catch any time. Like, it was, they were just incredibly fluky, incredible catches where you just tip the cap and, the cap and go, oh my goodness, what a catch. Yeah. Um, but but I thought the way that the, the that Michigan handled that game yesterday, that was impressive. By the way, speaking of these rivalry games, you got Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma. Uh, they lose against Okie State. Now, after the game, Lincoln Riley said, I am not going to be the head coach at LSU. Uh, Sean, like clockwork, Lincoln Riley, who has been linked to a number of not only high-profile college jobs, but NFL gigs. Like, everybody thought the next move for Lincoln Riley was going to be the NFL. Nope. But he's right. He didn't lie. He's not going to LSU. He's going to USC. Yeah, boy, you you, you want to talk about a job that, that they've been waiting for the right person to come in there and and just basically bring that back to life. I mean, when you yeah. think of of the saviors going in there, boy, it wasn't that long ago that it was it was Lane Kiffin, and everybody was talking right. about, oh, Lane Kiffin is exactly what USC needs. Except the problem was at the time there was nothing on his resume. I mean, it was it was much ado nothing about nothing in regards to Lane Kiffin, and obviously he's been able to build on that that resume a little bit. But yeah, this is the way it is. It's 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 going to be some musical chairs, and it's not like Norman is a bad destination by any stretch of the imagination with all the success that they've been able to have you know they went through that down period you know after the switzer era and then they you know kind of brought it back but uh, they didn't just kind of bring it back they did bring it back uh with with bob stoops and into lincoln riley but it is going to be interesting chris yeah all right we got uh gridiron wrap coming up next uh have yourself a good week we'll talk to you next weekend you got it buddy take care